Welcome to another episode of Ed Luminaries with Alejandra Zertuche, CEO of Enflux, who brings you powerful educator perspectives hailing from all walks of life. Get inspired and obtain great takeaways that you can apply to help set your students up for success. Sometimes all it takes is to hear how innovative educators approach similar problems and overcome obstacles to support breakthrough academic success. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Alejandra Sertuche, and you're listening to the Ed Luminaries podcast, where we talk with educational leaders to find out how they're thinking and working creatively to drive student success. In today's episode, we're going to hear from Dr. Sherry Cole, Assistant Provost of Logan University. Dr. Cole, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here. I was eager to do this podcast with you because you're just like me, a life a lifelong learner. So I want to start the podcast by asking you, what motivates you to keep learning, to keep getting certificates? I mean, you have an MBA, you have a PhD in, in um, applied management and decision sciences. You keep getting certificates from Cornell, Cornell University and Harvard. What motivates you to keep learning? Um, well, thank you for that. Um, and you can call me Sherry. I am excited about learning. I, I learn everything. Um, I learn every day, every single day, I learn something new. And I think that's what motivates me because when you stop um, wondering or questioning about things, then you've stopped learning. And so I, I just hunger for more knowledge and there's always something new that keeps me excited. Um, and I learn something that, that can take me a little bit further or that can uh, make me understand something. I wanna know it all. So it's like, when I get to, into something that I wanna solve a problem, I have to know all the inner workings of it before I can even you know, get into solving a problem. So it, it just, it's a passion of mine. I do the same thing. Sometimes it might not be the most effective way of doing things, but I wanna get into the weeds and kind of figure out every single gear, every single nail and this little yes. machine that I'm trying to solve before I start actually working on something. Um, but yes, we <laughs> share that. And, and you know, as, as a provost, um, you're in charge of overseeing academic program effectiveness. How is your, your educational experience and background and everything that you're learning being applied uh, to oversee academic uh, program effectiveness at Logan University? Well, it is um, very extensive and comprehensive effectiveness and accreditation. Um, and there's a lot of details and I'm a detailed person um, because I do like to um, make sure that everything is compliant. I come from, I was in the military, um, I was in Desert Storm. Um, that The army is very detailed. I mean, there's 50 pages for a, how to bake a cookie, you know? I mean, you have details and everything. Um, but it, the compliance is huge. Um, in the medical field, um, I was an x-ray tech. I was a director of radiology. Um, and we were um, constantly being um, um, measured. We had, everything was data. Um, Jaco would come in and you would have measurements from the Ohio Department of Health when I worked in Ohio and um, nuclear medicine. Everything was measured. Everything had to be compliant. And it's for the safety of the patients. And it's the same thing in education, the quality of the education that you are um, providing for the students. And so 
um, compliance is huge and, and it has to be it has to be one of the number one things that you do. So um, looking at accreditation, the effectiveness of, of your education, um, it's, it's so important. So um, it's one of the great things that um, there's so much out there to learn that along with going through and um, learning all these new things with the certificates and, and um, lifelong learning, to learn the new things that are coming out and be able to get the innovative ideas from other people um, and taking that into the workplace and making the academic um, um, more um, compliant and um, innovative for the students so, so that their professions and their careers when they graduate is going to be top notch. Yes, exactly. And, and, you know, not a lot of people enjoy accreditation, be honest, being honest, <laughs> nobody likes accreditation, because it's, it's a lot of work, right? It has a lot of different uh, requirements, and they're asking for data, and different things. But having accreditation is a way to ensure that the schools are doing what they're, what they are supposed to be doing, right? And, and there's a way that, that we can track the, the university's compliance with at least the minimum requirement of of quality of education, which is what the accreditors um, said, um, but it's tedious and it's complex. What are the biggest challenges that you have seen schools face when they're trying to accomplish um, accreditation compliance? I think one of the biggest um, challenges is that, you know, we're running, um, especially Logan's running year round. We have a trimester system so we don't take a break in the summertime and so you have people that are working steadily with the students um, year-round and you know it's busy it's busy 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 with this classes and lectures and right now with the pandemic it, it is even harder because not everybody's on campus and, and you've got people um, not interacting in the office and being able to go down to somebody's office and, and get information so um, trying to get the whole team and the university together to write um, each criterion and how we do things and um, provide the information that we need while they're working and trying to um, keep the quality of education with the students and, and provide that education and do those jobs and implement the new um, software we're doing and everything that they do every day um, it's hard to get everybody together because sometimes it's like herding cats to get everybody together in the same time to meet at the same time to keep the whole timeline going to have the drafts done in the right moments. Um, so that's that's something that's really hard to do is trying to get everybody together and get the thing things done at the right time. Absolutely, and especially because it's it it becomes really complicated to decide is. What's the priority? Is it helping the student or student-facing activities, or is it accreditation activities? So it's but like course, a, it's a constant battle, right? Right, and I, of course, I think well, this is the most important. This is your priority because it's your accreditation. But they're thinking, I've got all this stuff on my plate here. This is my priority today. I have got an exam, or I've got this. So it it is a struggle sometimes um, in doing that, and you got to motivate people, and you have to make sure that the communication is open. And you also have to provide them with resources. Uh, we just had a podcast with um, Elizabeth Hunter, who's helping the the physician assistant programs to delegate tasks, tasks that are taking faculty away from, from adding value to the accreditation compliance or the self-study or, 
or student-facing activities. Right. What, what are some of the tasks that you think are time-consuming and could be done in a more effective, productive way instead of having faculty work on it? Um, for the accreditation work? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I think some of the, some of the um, tasks are finding the evidence, um, tracking down the documents and, and providing the evidence for the self-study because a lot of times the faculty that are writing help write the, the um, self-study, they don't know who has, you know, what evidence that we're looking for, you know? So when they're trying to provide, this shows that we have the quality assessment, this shows that we're, um, um, our strategic plan is meeting all of the challenges, then they're, they're trying to find, okay, who would have this? Where is it? Because my job is out here teaching students and I don't know where this is at. And it's taking a lot of time for them to do those kind of things in order to find things to show evidence for. Yeah, that's what I call the treasure hunting game. Yes. Because you're trying to figure out where, where are things? Who's in charge of what? And if Dr. Mm -hmm. Bob was in charge of that, then... What happens if Dr. Bob left about a year ago and now we don't even know where the data is, right? right? So it's, and, and that's one of the main reasons that we design MFLUX the way we did in such a way that you're just on a daily basis documenting what's happening, putting it, put the data source, like uploading spreadsheets or PDFs mm -hmm. in a centralized location that, that the administrator or the provost can have access to. So when they're getting ready for the self-study, they don't go on a treasure hunt. They just run a yes. query and say, show me everything that we need for this standard. Right. And I think that that goes back to, if we provide resources, then we can save, we, we can keep faculty and focusing what matters most, which is student-facing activities to help them be successful, but also they need to be part of accreditation because you Absolutely. want them to, to understand why that's we're doing it. things, right? Yes, that's the critical part. We're doing that. We're not doing it for busy work. We want them to understand what the, the whole, how it comes together, how the whole fabric is integrated. And without having, you know, we can give somebody else that position to write that, but then they're not understanding what we're doing. So it's, it's critical. Yes, it's critical absolutely. for them to see the strategy. The way I see accreditation, it's like a business, having a business model, a strategy. These yes. are our goals and by which quarter and how we're getting there. Absolutely. Um, no, that's, that's extremely interesting. And from your military background, um, as you mentioned, you, went, you were part of the Desert Storm. Hmm. What are the things that, that you experience during that time that you have been able to apply in your current job position? Well, um, I think there's a couple things. Um, one is that um, I went into the military because I went into the National Guards to go to college because my family, there was five children, I was the second oldest and my father said, I can't, um, put my children through college. So you're going to have to find a way. And so I joined the National Guard because they was paying for school. Um, the only thing they had open at the time was a for a light wheel vehicle power generator mechanic. So I became a diesel mechanic to go to college. And I went from a uh, girly girl. 
I was a leader and, and cross country, and I went to become a diesel mechanic. I was the only one. I didn't know I was blazing trails back then, but I was the only one there at Fort Jackson. But I learned that um, if you have to follow directions um, very carefully. So um, I graduated um, the top of my class with, I was the only girl, I was, but because I had to follow directions, not that I was better than all the men, but they were, you know, oh, I'm gonna take off a carburetor and they just do it. But the, the sergeants were teaching you, you follow directions. And so I didn't know what a carburetor looked like. So I had the book and I would just say, okay, this, okay, this. And so they would, I got those on everything. I got A's because I followed it exactly mm -hmm. the way they were supposed to. No shortcuts. And so, no shortcuts. And that was the whole point because they want you to do what they tell you. That was the whole point of their exercises. So I learned that early. You do, this is the way it's done. You go A, B, C, D. And so that was in my training. And so that's, I learned to detail. I learned details, you know, looking for details and how do you do it? And it's not just getting it done, it's getting it done right. So that was one of the things that I learned. Um, and the other thing that I learned was um, to be able to um, come out of my being an introvert. I am an introvert, but I, um, they, they put me in charge of the male. Um, so I was the one that was the, the the um, squad leader and they did that because you know they try to they try to take everybody down and then they build you up and so having the woman or the girl in front of, in charge of all the men that was one of their tactics but I had to become more extroverted you know I had to be uh, more forceful and I, that was a change I had to go through you know and and it, it taught me to be able to be more confident and more um um, be able to say what I needed to say or, you know, do keep passes and tell them, no, you can't do that and make them accountable. So that was something else I learned. That That's incredible because I can see um, for the listeners, just so that they know that we we've have had multiple conversations and now I can mm -hmm. see the whole picture and how following directions being detail oriented, help you obtain accreditation really, really fast compared to, to all the other programs. That's one. And the other one is because a lot of faculty are on the extrovert part of, of, of things, not in the, um, I mean, in the introvert and not in the extrovert. So I can see that if you relate to them, you know how to, how to explain to them and talk to them what you're trying to accomplish and why, because you yes. can, you have been in their shoes. Yes. But now you're an extrovert because you can communicate with them. You can you can disseminate that information. So I can see mm -hmm. the whole picture. You follow directions and you were a great leader that was able to communicate with, with, with the team to accomplish mm -hmm. accreditation. Can you tell us more about that accreditation? Um, about accreditation? The, the, the accreditation that you accomplished in a kind of a short that you received feedback and everyone was telling you, this was accomplished in a kind of a short time compared to all the other programs. Oh, yes. Um, well, when, when I was talking about the radiology one, mm -hmm. I told you about this. Um, yes, we had a, we took it from a certificate program and then I, I worked with the Ohio Board of Regions to rate, take the radiology into a um, associate degree. And it was in six months. And so what I did was, and it was, it was funny because um, I called and talked to the, the reviewer 
at the higher border regions. And I said, okay, what is it that I need to do? And do you have directions and where's the manual? And then I talked to um, some of the people there at the new college there. And they said, oh my gosh, you called the, the border regions. Why did you do that? And I says, well, they, that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to help us. They, they want us, I mean, they want us to follow directions and do the right thing. And they're like, you don't call them and tell them you don't know what you're doing. And I says, why not? You know, why not? And I said, he just gave me the book. Here's the manual. It tells you exactly what to do. And they're going, oh, well, we would never have called them. I said, what would you do? Well, we, we would just do what we could and submit it and then see what they told us. And I'm like, well, it's crazy talk, you know? And so I just followed the directions and I had a question. I would just call Shane up and I'd say, okay, what do I do here? And then he came out and we got accredited the first time around. And it was just like, you just ask, you know? And, and he said, that's what we're here for. So it exactly. was good. It was good. Exactly. I, I feel like a lot of people, um, because they're afraid of doing that call and it goes back to being an introvert making that call, calling someone for help. And even though there's plenty of, of um, organizations of colleges or programs that are trying to help each of the programs go through these requirements, I feel like they still there's still the struggle of making sure that they come to them. Not the organization to them, but that the end user, the person that is completing the requirements or putting the project together, that they reach out for help and feel comfortable doing that. And then there's also, it seems that there's a stigma that where they say, if we call them, they're gonna think we don't know what we're doing and they're gonna gig us on something. And it's not the case. They want you to succeed. That's what, they, that's what they're there for. They want you to have a quality education to offer. It, you know. Exactly, exactly. I love that because that's something that I'm gonna keep in mind and share with everyone and say, hey, reach out to resources. Don't be mm -hmm. afraid of doing that. It's better right. to, to reach out to resources and get an answer to your question within the same day or the same week instead of making assumptions and going through the self-study for 18 months and then right. getting dink on that a, 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 a statement because you didn't know what, what the interpretation of the statement was. Um, yes. so, I always so, hear about, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go I ahead. Hear, I always hear about the regional um, stacks, the Southern, accreditation is yes. so scared of them. They say, oh gosh, in regional. I think it's great because they're more prescriptive and it's like, well, that that's good. They're more prescriptive. They tell you exactly what you need to do. Why is that? It's better because the ones that give you a more gray area, you're kind of like, ooh, and you know, I could do this bad, but they're, they're saying, this is exactly how you lay it out. Great, you know, <laughs> that's good. It is good, right? Um, I think the physician assistant programs are the ones that struggle with the self-study because it's not extremely prescriptive. Um, and, mm -hmm. and, and then when you leave them to that gray area, they're like, well, we don't know what we're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's, um, it, it's yeah, like following directions, reaching out for help. It's the key to make sure that you're doing the right thing at the right time. Um, yeah, and, and benchmarking. I mean, colleges have been around since the 1800s, 1700s. I don't know, <laughs> but there's it's been done before, you know. Do you think that there might be, because of what happened with COVID and everyone getting so busy and, and trying to like reshape how we do things, restructure even the, 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 the organizations within the programs, do you think that there are going to be any changes in the accreditation requirements? 
There, there are. Um, right now, they're looking at um, the people that they had allowed to do a, an emergency online version of their courses um, in the HLC. Um, they have put out then, they did that emergency all the way through to summer. And so now they're saying, okay, if you weren't um, approved through a substitute change to be an online program, you were on campus, the emergency now is where we are lifting that. So any, if you have a program that after the summer um, will have 50% of their the students in, I mean, the students in that program have over 50% of their courses completed or credit hours completed um, within their degree, you're gonna have to do a sub change for approval to have it continue to be online um, because we can't provide, it was an emergency. So we can't say that you're giving them a quality education. We didn't approve it as an online. And so there's gonna be some changes um, coming through on that. Plus um, I think there's gonna be some rearranging on um, especially the, the health sciences and medical, the clinical and things like that on what they're going to approve because some of the clinicals you can't, you have to apply, you know, you have to have some kind of um, application that's going to be a true clinical. So there's going to be requirements on, um, you know, the social distancing or, or how many people in lab or one-to-one, you know, for your, um, your clinical instructor versus how many they can um, um, watch at one time or um, the, how many student ratio to clinical instructor. Um, th there'll be a lot of changes, I think. A lot of uh, changes and a lot of more challenges as, as I yes. can tell. Yeah. What advice would you give someone that is leading the self-study for the first time? Oh my. Um, well, I think that um, they should have a strong mentor and if Hopefully they would have somebody that would be a mentor where they're at, if not, um, to reach out to someone. Um, they can reach out to their um, ALO there at their institution. And if they are the ALO, the accreditation liaison officer for their institution, they can talk to their HLC liaison and get some information from them, ask them anything they needed to know. Also, there are um, seminars about the criterion and the accreditation, and then you can network through them. With those seminars, you get people's addresses and you get their emails and you can have discussions with them. So that's very helpful. That's, that's extremely helpful um, to know that there's those um, pathways to, to find support. And mm -hmm. as per external sources, are there any sources that help you quickly learned about what it what it's required for completing a self-study? There are, um, if you go on to the accreditors website, they normally have, they'll have their manual. Now there's some of the regional accreditors have a policy book that just writes about, not the higher learning commission just has policy, but I know the middle states have a book um, that they've put together and they write about what everything's done. It's very nice. But there are also on YouTube, um, there are people that do um, YouTube and they talk about different criteria for different regional um, accreditors. And so that's very helpful as well. And there are um, the WASC, the Western, they also have a book. So it depends on which regional accreditor it is. But 
Some of them have some wonderful books and you can read those and it's pretty, pretty standard across them. They're the criterion, they're just in different formats because they're all want the same quality. It's just gonna be different criterion based, but you can get the gist of it from one of those books. As well. That that's helpful. Um, um, I bet that the listeners appreciate that you're sharing those sorts of resources with them. And um, Dr. Cole, um, I want to ask you. This is a question that I ask everyone. What are you excited about, and what motivates motivates you? Well, I am excited about. Um, I am excited about um, doing new things. I'm excited about. Um, reaching and engaging people. Um, and, and my team, I love my team. We have meetings and we have fun because we get engaged and we communicate and we can share things. So sometimes I tell um, my team uh, when I was over the program directors, I said, I, I could see them because they have their own meeting. I said, I can just see you guys in there in, in a room and it's just like a whole bunch of energy coming up through the room because it's just like, you know, they just have so much to talk about. And when you get people motivated like that and they communicate and there's transparency and they get excited about things, that motivates me. It just, it's just so exciting, you know, people sharing ideas and, and coming up with new things. I just, that motivates me. Dr. Cole, thank you so much for, for participating today and sharing this with our listeners. Um, how can the listeners get in touch with you if they have any questions? Um, I am at um, Sherry, S-H-E-R-R-I dot Cole, C-O-L-E at Logan dot E-D-U. Perfect. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for, for participating today. As I say, this is extremely exciting. And I think that it's important to share these stories with our listeners so that they know that they're not alone. Everyone has gone through the same challenges and there's creative ways to overcome them. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. <laughs> well, Thank you for listening to today's series. You can subscribe to our events by going to influx.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn where we post announcements about our solutions and resources like today's session. I'm Alejandra Sertuche and you have been listening to Ed Luminaries. You've just listened to Ed Luminaries, inspiring stories and ideas from educators to educators with Alejandra Zertuche. Connect with us at edluminaries.com to join the conversation and access the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts.